This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello and welcome to Bookmark This, a Straits Times podcast in which we talk about books and their headlines and recommend to you new reads. I'm Olivia Ho and I'm joined today by my co-host To Wendy. Hello. Today we're going to do a quick episode about two new novels, which coincidentally happen to have titles that allude to light. They are A Bright Ray of Darkness by Ethan Hawke and Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. Both of these men are pretty famous for slightly different reasons. So let's start with Ethan Hawke, whom you may know better for his films than for his fiction. But are his films better than his fiction, or vice versa? Well, Ethan Hawke is uh, is one of my favorite actors. I. I love his films, and um, his fiction isn't too shabby either. <laughs> so, for the uninitiated, um, Ethan Hawke is this Hollywood actor who has been in quite a number of films. Um, you might know him for Dead Poets Society, Gattaca, and of course the Before Sunli- Sunrise trilogy. Um, so, um, one thing that people don't really know about him is that he also happens to be a pretty competent writer.、Um, in fact, he has written five books,、um, at least five books and counting.、Um, his latest book is A Bright Ray of Darkness.、Um, A novel about an actor called William Harding, who is making his Broadway debut in Shakespeare's Henry the Fourth. So,、um, William Harding is, is in the middle of a painful divorce from his rock star wife,、um, whom he cheated on,、um, and who now wants to divorce him. So,、um, this book is—I mean, we basically see. William Harding, the character, moping around、um, for much of this book, trying to find his feet as an actor on stage,、um, and also, you know, battling his mental demons. So we see、um, his friends, who, most of whom happen to be in the theater world,、um, shuffle in and out of scenes, giving him a series of pep talks. So they like to philosophize about life and、um, life in general. So there's one friend who says, "Embrace the great nothing," you know, like a Zen monk. And then、um, there is an actress who kind of has the hots for him,、um, who says, "I think sex is like a prayer." So、um, I. I think、um, you can already tell that this this book might rub some people the wrong way. I mean, it depends on how much tolerance、um, or interest you have in listening to a bunch of narcissists, a bunch of narcissistic Hollywood actors philosophize about love and life.、Um, but people Hollywood, love this sort of thing, don't they? Yeah, they, they I mean, do, they、yeah. <laughs> obsess about celebrity magazines and so on. But、uh, do they like to read? I mean, do they like to read literary fiction? I wouldn't really call this literary fiction, actually. What would you call it? I would call it. Entertainment. Okay. <laughs> is it self-indulgent though?、Mm, it would have it would have come across as more self-indulgent if Ethan Hawke hadn't been so good at packing in ample doses of Schadenfreude into his book. Because it's very hard to sympathize with,、um, you know, a Hollywood actor's character who is going through a tough time because he has been unfaithful to his wife. But one thing he does is ensure that we are kind of laughing at William Harding, the character, throughout the novel. So there's one scene towards the end where he realizes that he's not. Very good at stage acting, and he also finds out that he has some kind of medical condition. He has to go under the knife for this huge boil in his abdomen, which has swollen to the size of a Florida orange. So, <laughs> so、um, yeah, little things like that, which make you feel that、like, you know he's he's a he's a pretty terrible guy, but he's also very likable at the same time. Do you think this is an autobiographical book? I think it's. Often quite risky to draw connections between an actor's、um, personal life and his fiction, but in the case of this book, I did feel that、um, I did get this constant sense of、um, having Ethan Hawke、um, peering over my shoulder in a way.、Um, I mean, there are some parallels you can draw between his character and his life.、Um, he used to be married to Uma Thurman,、um, whom he eventually who. who 
who eventually divorced him or they got a divorce um, amid rumors of Ethan Hawke's infidelity. So, um, yeah, so it, it kind of feels autobiographical, but I don't know if it really is. A delightful experience. Now, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe to our podcast series, Bookmark This, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating too. Now, back to our show and on to our next book. So I want to talk about Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro, which I think is a brilliant book, maybe one of the best I've read this year so far. Ishiguro, born in Nagasaki in Japan, uh, grew up in England, and he is one of the most celebrated British authors living. He has um, he was nominated for the Booker Prize four times. He's won it once in 1989 for The Remains of the Day. He's a knighthood. And in 2017, he received the Nobel Prize for Literature. So this is his first novel after he won the prize. And uh, it's his first since The Buried Giant in 2015. And of course, it was wildly anticipated. I think it came as a surprise to some people that it was about robots. It's about um, an artificial friend called Clara. She is one of a series of robot companions who have been created to keep children company and to help to help to educate them because they live in a world where it's very normal for you to have robot friends. And uh, Clara is unusual in that she is very astute observer of the behavior of others. The novel opens of her sitting in the window of a department store and she's observing the people who walk by on the road. She's observing the behavior of the other artificial friends who are near her, you know, and they have all these like a very superficial chatter about what homes they're going to go to, what children they would like to have. Um, But she's able to see that, you know, not all is well in the world outside. And above all, she is uh, observant of the sun. So the, the AFs are solar powered. They get all the energy from the sun. So if they're far away from the sun, you know, they get weaker. Um, therefore, she has come to t- regard the sun as a sort of omnipotent deity who uh, she actually believes moves across the sky and eventually sinks to rest on the horizon in a little house or something. There's a place you can actually travel to if you want to visit the sun. And uh, she has these very uh, wonderful childlike beliefs in that sense. So while Clara is in the window, she meets this teenager called Josie and she forms this attachment to Josie which is sort of instinctive. And uh, even though she's been offered other placements, she really holds out to get taken home by Josie, even though, um, you know, she, the, her manager tells her, don't, you shouldn't trust in the, you know, the minds of children. They can be quite fickle. They're capricious, you know. But Clara, for some reason, she really wishes to go home with Josie. But the thing about Josie is that she's a bit sick. Um, she And she gets sicker and sicker as the novel draws on it and becomes clear that she's dying. So Clara wants to, Clara is programmed to want the best for her teenager. So she actually thinks of trying to intercede with the son to extend his healing powers to Josie and so that Josie can get better. And to do this, she's willing to do, you know, nearly anything. She she has her entire existence is purposed of making Josie better, making Josie happy, making sure Josie is not lonely. So this is, um, people might consider it to be science fiction. Um, I think that's the argument that people made previously with uh, Ishiguro's Never Let Me Go, which was about clones, about people who were create clone to donate organs to um, to other humans. And uh, But it's not entirely... I wouldn't label it like so. 
um, I think that was the question that came up with um, Machines Like Me, which was a 2019 mm-hmm. novel by Ian McEwan, a fellow Booker Prize winner. Uh, and he also wrote about robots. And that was a very different novel. It was uh, it was very cerebral. It was very philosophical. But Shiguro, in contrast, Clara and the Sun is very simple. It's uh, he, he, you know, he has these really profound uh, epiphanies about science and human nature. But it's so simple that a child could grasp it, I think. And uh, the other interesting thing is that this is the most reliable narrator that Ishiguro has ever created, <laughs> I think. Um, he's, he's very well known for his unreliable narrators like Masaji Ono in An Artist of the Floating World or Stevens is the butler in The Remains of the Day. So in both of these cases, you, the narrator, you're sort of aware the narrator is hiding things from you and that actually they've done something quite, quite bad, quite evil or they've abetted evil in some way that they've not fully um, expressed to themselves. But in the in the case of Clara, she is she's a sort of tabula rasa. She's a blank slate. She's so pure-minded. And uh, she's utterly reliable because everything in the novel is something that she sees and then she reports on it. And then there's this very interesting thing that happens, uh, which is a bit cubist. So the way that she sees things, um, sometimes if she's not sure of what she's seeing, her vision will fracture into little cubes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like little grids. And so uh, say she's not sure if her manager is upset or sad or angry at her. So she, her vision will sort of present her options as like one sad face, one angry face. And oh, yeah, and it's... Fascinating. Uh, yeah, it's a bit ex- a bit expressionist or cubist, uh, I suppose. And it presents the multiplicity of the possibility of the interpretations of human emotions. Mm, multiplicity. And, yeah. At the same time, you're sort of aware that what she's seeing is very different from what you know is happening to her world. And that's when things get very sad because you know that people, for instance, mean different things to for Clara than she herself is aware of. And they have uh, darker thoughts than perhaps, you know, she's, she's capable of uh, processing. And um, she has this child, she has all these childlike beliefs in the world, which um, she believes that if you, you can go and talk to the sun, she believes that the sun is being threatened by all this eco- ecological pollution that happens and uh, she she believes that if she goes on this quest to stop this machine that spews smoke into the air that the sun will then in exchange go and heal Josie so a lot of this uh, so she has these quests to go visit the sun to go um, to go stop the machine and uh, it's very charming but at the same time very sad because you know that's not the case yeah that's fascinating um, I do wonder though do you think beings if you, can even, if you can even call them that beings such as Clara the artificial friend do you think they are capable of a higher form of love than the kind of love that human beings might have for one another so one always thinks of love as a very human emotion like sort of barometer for how human you are but actually uh, the premise here that Ishiguro presents is that if Clara loved Josie because she was programmed to do so so her entire existence is is premised on this love for Josie and so is that a better kind of love because she will never she will never stop loving Josie she will never you know have other thoughts or lose interest or fade or drift away from Josie and yeah so that's one thing the other thing that Ishiguro is trying to get at I think is the is to question the singularity of the human condition so is as you know each of us is an individual is the individual um 
Are we special? What is so special about us? Are we unique? What is it that makes us, you know, irreplaceable as compared to a, a robot, for instance? The robot is, you know, many copies of this person. So, what is it inside of us that makes us so unique? And I think the premise, the, the conclusion that he comes to is that um, that is not what is inside you. You, the individual, are not necessarily special. Is what other people around you feel towards you? You know that that love that they feel towards you is something that cannot be replicated. So that connection is what is unique. Yes, in a in sense, I think that's the conclusion that he comes to. It's a very uh, squishy, squishy sort of thing <laughs> to come to at the end of science fiction. But isn't that you know sometimes science fiction is that's what science fiction tries to do sometimes. Yeah. I guess and not just science fiction, right? I mean, okay, this is very tangential, but we did mention before Sunrise a few minutes ago. There's one scene where Julie Delpy's character, um, this is the very first installment of the trilogy, speaks to Ethan Hawke's character and says, you know, if there was any kind of god, I don't think it would be in you or in me it would be in the spaces in between ah the, yes yes and yes. the attempt to connect is what makes it beautiful and special precisely yes, and I do believe that and I think it's beautiful I don't know what is it all of these books and movies that have to do with the sun or light or rays or darkness anyway desperation for love maybe I don't yeah. know <laughs> Um, I mean, we would call it science fiction, but at the same time, uh, it's there's something very uh, childlike about this book that reminds me of this picture book that I loved when I was very little. It was called The Velveteen Rabbit. And uh, it was this story about this rabbit, toy rabbit, who is uh, owned by this little boy. And he hopes that if the little boy will love him enough, that one day he can become a real rabbit. And of course, you know, the little boy is, uh, he, he's also sick and he's, uh, he gets sick and eventually he will either die or grow up and move on. And so we know that things are not going to go very well for the rabbit. But at the same time, he has this very, you know, this pure and innocent belief in uh, that one day love will make him real. And I suppose in Clara and the Sun, we are asking ourselves, can Clara be a real girl? And that's the question. And uh, I don't wish to spoil the ending for anyone because it's so powerful. But if the way that she arrives at the answer to this question is very beautiful and very heartbreaking. And uh, there's, there's this unreachable part of every person inside the heart that is the hardest to learn. From actors to artificial intelligence, from darkness to light, and that's what we have for you in this episode. Once again, thank you for listening to us. I'm Olivia Ho. And I'm Toen Lee. You have been listening to our Bookmark This podcast. You can subscribe to it on your favorite smartphone audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Like us and rate us. We'll catch you next time. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.